Hey, it's Bethany here, and I believe that magic happens when you listen and trust yourself. When you listen to that inner voice, that intuition, the God voice, your inner power, whatever you want to call it, I think that magic happens. And today's episode is a testament to that. So I just want to tell you a little bit of a backstory about how I met today's guest and a little snippet of her cause because this is unlike any episode we've ever had on Dialed In and I am thrilled and honored to be part of the movement that Maji is creating. So I do a weekly uh, room inside of Clubhouse called Dream Connectors. It's every Wednesday uh, inside Clubhouse under the club called The Empty Bucket, which is my club. And we have people come to the stage, they share their name, what their dream is and what they need to move their dream forward. Like the one, a connection or a next step or something that some people can do. And then everyone in the room goes to work to help connect someone to the next step of their dream. And Maji came in my room a week or two ago and she shared what her dream is, which you will find out in the episode. And what she asked for was so simple. And she's going to ask this of you today. And I want to encourage you to take five minutes out of your day and send her the two sentence message and the photo that she's asking for, because together, I believe we can change the world. So Maji wanted her message to be heard on a bigger scale, which is why I'm having her be a guest on Dialed In. And you can help her message be heard by sharing out this episode, by um, posting on social media that you're participating in this cause. Because what is happening in Ethiopia, girls are not able to finish education in many cases simply because they are on their period. Because when they are on their period, they're not allowed to go to school because there's a bunch of limiting beliefs and stigmas and um, social ramifications for girls to be seen in public and at school when they're ministrating. And it's, it's an issue because it stops girls from growing up to be successful women and productive members of society that can contribute to their households. And there's also a lot of shaming and um, poor treatment that happens because of this belief here in Ethiopia to the point where, um, well, you know what? I'm not going to share that with you because I'm going to let Maji share it with you because when she shares her story of growing up and why this is such a heart-centered mission for her, I think that, um, you'll hop on board because if you're listening to this, I know that you're heart-centered because that's everything about what we do here at Dialed In. So Maji's um, bio is in the show notes. I usually read a bio or introduce, but I'm going to leave it in the show notes for you. I do refer to it at the beginning of the episode, but um, just hang tight, hold on, and let's dive in to my new friend, Maji and her story and her cause. I guarantee you, you're going to be touched by this.
Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dialed In. I am here with my brand new friend, Maji. Welcome, Maji. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here, Bethany. <laughs> so I you heard all about um Maji in the introduction before we went on live here. So you know a little bit of her story, but I would like you, Maji, to share uh you know what? I want you to share whatever is on your heart, but I definitely want to talk about um, your passion for helping girls that are ministrating and are, are, are deprived the ability to go to school because of that. But first, I think your, your story is incredibly powerful. So if you, I'll just let you go and I'll ask questions as we go. <laughs> I, you know, when it's so large, I don't know where to start. I was born on a sunny day. Okay, no. <laughs> I probably was born on a sunny day. You know, I was born in Ethiopia, sunny often. Uh, there's actually an, an advertisement of tourism. They used to say, and the advertisement says 13 months of sunshine because the Ethiopian calendar has 13 months. And so, yeah, it's, it's country to, and it's very green and it's quite high altitude, but people just imagine that it's a big desert. So I was born in, in, a, in a sunny world that was green and full of flowers. I was born in October. I was born as a second born. And uh, I remember from being very young, feeling like I was not in my place. Like finding like my family, everything a bit like weird, like almost like there was a mistake that a switch in the hospital, you know, uh -huh. <laughs> maybe, but then, I looked very much like my mom. So even though my brother tried to convince me that they found me on the edge of the road and <gasps> picked me up. So it was just a really weird uh, imagination full childhood that I had, which is not in my bio. But I think it's attributed to a lot of the fact that I was drawn to creative art and immersive art, mm -hmm. which for me, immersive art and being an artist is words I prefer um, that vibe with me, the energy of being a spiritual person. Mm. because then you're the, you're the artist of your life and you consider everything like art and I believe that the fact that from childhood I had all these stories and games and my brother making me believe that I was found at the edge of the street and then that he even told me that my uncle ran over me and they couldn't leave me <laughs> because so they had to like take me and I, I was this really difficult handicapped kid they had to take care of he was just a weird older brother who was just having fun but I needed to, even though my mother kept telling me, well, if anybody was fond of the end of this, you would be him, right? Because you look really like me. But for some reason, you know, you know especially imagine you're three or four, like um, unusual weird stories, they have a lot of appeal. They grasp you, you know? Mm -hmm. And I was thinking, oh my God, I, maybe this is true. I'm just saying that to be nice. So I have to make it up. So there's something about me that wanted to be a little hero for the family. And at the same time, I, I was yeah, very um, creative from very young. And I had what I thought then, imaginary friends. Mm -hmm. Now, it's interesting for me to mention that because now they've become what I call the angels, my spirit guides. Yeah. I, I believe they were always there. But as a child, because of the education we have, you, you're told very quickly that it's your imagination. It's not anything in the 3D that everybody can see. Right. And that to say is like, I believe a lot of kids, most of the kids anyway, are very open to that from when they're kids. You know, they can feel things, they can sense things, they can see energy shift, but it will be very quickly put in the frame of uh, imagination. So 
to, if I was to say it very simply, I was a very artsy, imaginative, full kid. And I was very, very curious from very young and, and just sort of uh, wanting to see the limits of my capacity. So I was a bit of a risky kid, you know, I like mm -hmm. to jump things and try you know, cliff jumping and all kinds. So yeah, that would be like my childhood. But at the same time, you know, we have to put the context. I was born in Ethiopia and Ethiopia is a, was just came out, out of the emperor was just killed and the communism was just starting. Mm. So the outside energy was not very cool. And then there was also the famine along, which probably actually explains why I had to be like such a artsy, go somewhere else, create an inner world where, you know, sure. I think we all have the survival mechanism. Mine is, is joy, joy is my nature. Some people's nature is peace, other is like laughter. When mine is joy, I just like love, love to laugh and sing and dance. And the more things were difficult, the more I needed to go source this energy. And so that made me love dancing a lot. I used to do a lot of dance. And, and, but I were lucky to grow up in Kenya. My mother was the United Nation and I grew up in Kenya. And there, very young, I think from the age of about eight, nine, I started being very social conscious about the unfairness of the world. And I remember as a kid feeling a bit even guilty to be in a comfortable family with people starving outside. Mm. So that guilt thing was something that I always had to work on. It made me a bit of a the savior, you know, the mother Teresa complex, which mm -hmm. of course I had to let go. And I advise everyone to let go of that because, you know, everyone has their place and every story has its time. But, you know, as a kid, you don't know that. You just want to be a goody two-shoes. And because my goody two-shoes was not accepted, I became a bit of an angry kid as a teen. I, I skipped classes. I went to university quite early. And I was, I was so excited to meet all the older kids I was going to be in class with. But I was not treated with the same love and excitement, you know, because it like often when you do something different, you bother people. And I was just, I just skipped classes. I was just happy to see them. But for them, like I'm supposed to be smarter and like show us what you can do. Like, you know, almost as if I was telling them, well, you should have jumped class or something. And I was thinking, what? I just want to be loved and love everyone. So that was rough. So as a teen, I was a bit of an angry teen. Like, <laughs> um, in university, I used to like to drink quite a bit and dance a lot. Um, but and I, and such, I remember at one point, my parents used to worry, I'm going, oh my gosh, she's so gifted, but you know, she's so angry and just wants to party all the time. And my God, she's gonna like not achieve anything in her life. And it turned out to be quite the contrary. You know, I went backpacking after I finished school and I was drawn to Asia and about to, you know, the whole people to do it differently. You know, because I was a bit atypical, you know, left-handed and that's really not accepted in the world I came in. Mm. And they used to tie my hand with the chair and all kind of stuff. Really? I, um, except, yeah, my God. Yeah. I had this tie my hand with the chair. Sometimes I would have them have my hand burned, but I was like a stubborn kid. I just would refuse. I would eat with my mouth. I would just refuse to, to not use my right hand or right with my right hand. So I'm still... A proud lefty, me and Obama. I don't know if Obama's left-handed, but I think I heard that. It's time I hear somebody's left hand. I'm like, yeah. So a little hello to all left-handed. We stick there, guys. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know, if I don't know about this new generation, it's much cooler. But in our time, it was like not very cool. And the tables in class are only made for right-handed. Right. And when you eat with your right left hand, you're supposed to be feeding the devil. All this kind of yeah, it's not cool to be a left-handed kid in a lot of cultures, but. In a way, I have to say thank you to all that because that built the resistance in me. Sure. You know? 
the activist and know I have a right. My left hand is my right hand for me, you know? Because there was also this joke, the right means it's correct. And so left is supposed to be not correct. I'm like, mm. so I, I very quickly became a sharp mouth. Say, well, you know, God and I had an agreement to just switch my left and my right. So I'm cool, I'm cool, like, you know, and they're going, oh no, this one is not gonna let go. But that talking became my tool to find harmony. Like, mm. you know, how can we switch around where you can be right and I can be right? So of course, when I discovered Nash and the theory of win-win, I was like, yes, why is everybody competing? And people have to lose, why can't everybody win? So my best friend was telling me, oh, Maggie, you're just ahead of your time. You know, you're like gonna be this like artsy person. But if you look at life, most things that change in the world is because some people wanted to try things differently, you know, mm -hmm. from Einstein to um, whatever dancer, like not that I'm comparing myself to any of them. Maybe, maybe I will do something great before I die. But for me, greatness is just about, um, you know, as simple as, you know, sharing a smile, you know, like I, I saw somebody frowning on the street and I managed, my smile made them manage to smile back. That's greatness. I mean, that's such amazing power of greatness we all have and we should share. So yeah, in general, from what I said, I guess you can figure out I'm one of those like goody two shoes, hugger, hug tree hugging, people <laughs> hugging, oh, like, oh, let's hug kind of person. So, but no, I was, I never grew up in California. <laughs> I don't know, that's what they, <laughs> people just associate me with. I'm more of a California huggy-duggy than a, um, a New Yorker, but um. And it was, I was, I believe it's, yeah, we're all different. And probably I'm not very good at protecting myself. I trust too easily. Mm. But really, if I look at my life, I was lucky to travel all over and live everywhere and spend a week with the Dalai Lama and retreat and just like really amazing miracle, miracle stuff. And I believe that they were possible because I just was this over trusting person. Of course, I got ripped off a few times, but um and I hope it's helped the other person. I mean, I survived, life goes on. Uh, I believe that, you know, as long as we do your best that things work out, sometimes it can take a while. And yeah, that sort of that sums me up. Um, I have two kids, I, I got, I, I'm in the middle of a long divorce, but yeah, and I was at one point really angry about all that. And even now that for me comes back that belief that, uh, yeah, it's all for, for, for the highest good. It's not, it's not even about good and bad for the highest evolution, you know, like, yes. a, like a flower that's blooming. It's not going to say, oh, no, I was better when I was smaller and, and bloom and it will disappear and it'll get old and foil, but then it will go in the earth and become compost and it will bloom again. Yes. So that cycle of life is, you know, I feel like that I'm accepting that as especially with the feminine energy. Hmm. It's really good to accept that we should have, you know, we're not supposed to, we're not robots and the society is trying to make us like robots and and yeah that's what i grew on because i've been a nomad and i explored i've traveled a lot yeah like my not probably was shared in my bio mm -hmm. um, and traveling a lot i learned a lot of languages but it makes me like a bit of a misfit you know because i was i didn't do the right thing like you no know, i did have great studies but i didn't then join the right job and just do mm -hmm. go up the ladder and everything so people are like oh what a waste of like so much capacity. But yeah, at one point I thought I was like Bart Simpson, the underachiever. <laughs> but the truth is like, who's, who's putting those levels? Who's saying that, yeah. And that's where we are not fulfilled and we're trying to be successful. 
So in a way, I, I became fulfilled without necessarily being very successful, even though I did great things. I mean, Wikipedia, and there's pictures of me on the red carpet and the Google and stuff. I didn't even know I was in Wikipedia. Somebody told me, I'm like, oh, okay. And she goes, well, that means you must have done something. Because I'm like, oh, really? Does it? I mean, I don't know about internet. And I thought anybody could, you know, Wikipedia, just anyone? I don't know. I, did, I have no idea about these things. But these values of people are so external. And I've never really defined myself with that. Maybe when I was younger, this mm -hmm. quest of inner and like what's inner and what's the deeper in the onion is still what passionates me. So in a way, even though I'm like, no, I'm part of the 50s, 50 year old clubs now, I still in my heart feel like a, a 12 year old that where every day is new or even a seven sometimes like, going, oh, did you see the clouds today? So yeah, that's me in a mm -hmm. nutshell. I love that. It's um, what you're describing to me is like you're you're in a state of constant becoming you know, you're just unfolding. There's new things that you're discovering. And um, I never would have guessed. Now my listeners can't see you because, well, it's an audio, but they will see your photo. But I'm um, sitting here across from you on Zoom. I never would have guessed that you were in the in the 50 year old club as I do air quotes with that. Um, you have a very youthful appearance and definitely a youthful and um, what's the right word? Uh, curious, I would say a curious vibe, like youthful and curious, you know, you're very open. And yeah. um, so we you know what we're told curiosity killed the cat. No, curiosity didn't no, kill the cat. Curiosity the... made the cat discover like magical gardens right. you'd have never known. <laughs> Absolutely. Curiosity is, is the way it's the door opener. Absolutely. Yes. And having said that, I, I also have to acknowledge because most of the time what happens when people life stories are shared they only and also that's the whole problem of social media they just make it look like it's all glossy and everything mm -hmm. but you know but i've had my read down times i've been completely depressed and not wanting to get out of my bed for like, like the 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 dark side of the mystic journey thing part and and sometimes this constant state of becoming can be very pressureful mm -hmm. because you know you don't belong you don't have a box where you can people can just box you and then sometimes it makes me feel really insecure mm -hmm. like you know people say well don't you want to grow up and, and then I have to justify myself say like I've done this I did the festival I did that and they're like oh wow you did amazing things but you know you you just you seem like you're not you never did anything I'm going well you know I just it just happened through me kind of thing so yeah it's uh, it I can I have a lot of faith in life and sometimes the situation and the the way people look at you especially if they don't mm -hmm. get you can can be very uh, destabilizing and 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 it makes me can make me feel um unease and doubt myself and usually I have to realign or remember that not to take it personally but yes. we are humans and sometimes we can, we, we can get tired especially as mothers you know all mothers would know like regardless of what you know whatever when you're exhausted and your keys are getting on your nerve like you're back <laughs> at square one and and uh, yeah so yeah I, I have had my share of tears and especially I think I've cried more than anyone because the the famine in my country made me cry mm. a lot the wars made me cry a lot when I was a kid I used to cry about Mandela being in jail I couldn't understand I was this 10 year 11 year old and here's this amazing man in jail mm. in a country that's in apartheid and we're talking about human rights and everybody's flying flying left and right and everything's okay and there's this crazy slavery going on and at that age I was thinking how can this be and right. and now that I'm older it's I, I know that we live in a very fake world you know between what we what's preached and what's happened mm -hmm. and if there wasn't diamonds in in South Africa maybe 
like something would have changed quicker. But you know, they were like, yeah, well, you know, whatever, we'll continue trading the diamonds for a while. So as a kid, that's really that was very frustrating for me. It actually depressed me, which probably was the this kind of things that made me into a natural social worker or some sort of activist artist. Yeah. Yeah. So there yeah. is also some some deeper and, and sort of sadness and anger and re rebellion in my but I try with time with age to do it in a joyful or inclusive or awareness empowering way you know I feel that's that I feel much better since I let go of the whole blame game that unfortunately the the world supports and the business supports you know mm -hmm. people have to com compete and outdo the other and hit the other blah, blah. and it's really sad and I, I hope more people will open up to their nature of the win-win and collaboration, which I believe is uh, the inner light blooming of uh, our human being. And that's what I wish for my children. Absolutely. I, um, I want to go back to something you said about sometimes feeling like you didn't belong because there was this, like, I, I call it a success box. Like here's the box and you do these things. And if you don't do these things, then you're not deemed successful by society. Like here's the things that make you worthy and successful in life. And if you're, you don't fit in that box and here's what I found in my experience, when I, when I sat with people as they neared the end of their life, Maji, nobody ever says to me, nobody has ever told me how much money they made. Nobody ever talks to me about, um, the degrees they had or the um the uh the car they drove the size of their house that deemed them successful inside this box nobody talks about that but yet we will spend our entire lives trying to fit in that box but then at the end you i watched it over and over again people are hit with this stark reality that that's not what matters and it's too late then. Exactly. And, and so I think the thing that's remarkable about you is it sounds like you had that glimmer from a young age and you have been true to yourself despite the pain, despite the things that have happened and you've chosen joy over and over and over again. And because of that, you're a force to be reckoned with. And I, and yeah, and then all that makes sense to me. And, and I love that you, you know, you paint this picture of your life, but then you go back to say, you know, it's not without pain. And, and I, I believe that none of us are given a, a good life or a bad life. We're all given a life and it has pain and we all have trials and no, they may not look like the same trials that somebody in a different country has or somebody in a different city has but pain is pain is pain you know and the thing is we have we all have the ability and the power inside of us to choose what we do with that what we make that mean for ourselves and how we move forward and it, it seems to me that you've turned some of your greatest pains into passion projects and now I mean, at least one of them that I know about, I mean, you're making some waves here and I can't wait. I can't wait for you to tell the listeners about what you're doing. Well, actually, you know, it's amazing because um, I see that life has turned me towards like women issues. And I, I, I didn't, I've always considered myself a soul, a human being. I, I care about all beings. But when I look back, you know, one of the big festivals I did in 2010 dealt a lot with female genital mutilation and had 
brought experts from all over the world to talk about it, had a big discussion at, at the university of the capital city. This is like no, no topics, you know, but I saw the relief, the cry, the women who cried, who never had anybody like a, a validate them. Mm. And, and I was thinking, wow. And, and so sometimes it's like almost life calls you towards these, towards to a certain direction. Mm -hmm. And um, a couple of years ago, a year and a half ago, I, I went to my country, Ethiopia, and I had the, the good fortune to have an audience with the president who was a, a woman, um, an amazing woman, mm. uh, Her Excellency Sally. But I mean, I think we could, I advise everyone to go look at her. It's not only that she's an amazing person, she radiates it, she has grace and, and wisdom. And um, uh, when I went to see her, I had a project and she told me that her focus and her priority, because my project was about consciousness and how to raise education to consciousness with free TV programs, because I felt since people can't afford things, there's many things we can offer for free. Mm -hmm. I thought it was a brilliant idea and I had already interviewed many people and filmed them. And she said, uh, no, my priority, and she's, I will never forget the sentence. She said, within the small time that I'm holding the seat, I would like to open wider the very narrow door that exists for women and girls. And my priority is girls' education. And her priority became mine because she told me of the hundreds of millions of girls in the world who are excluded from school one week a month when they have their menstruation mm. because not only because of lack of sanitary products but also because of beliefs that you know it's like taboo or it's dirty or like there's, there's people i know in india there's a huge progress but not long ago there's still the beliefs that like in some places there, there will be people who tell you that today that you'll get paralyzed if a woman with menstruation touches you I mean, wow. that's how way out it is in certain places. And the, what was the final tick for me was when she told me the story of a girl who went to class and had her menstruation in school for the first time. It's already like, you know, not very mm -hmm. comfortable. And this right. is in the middle of the countryside. And her teacher humiliated her, um, mistreated her and made her feel like really terrible. How dare you come in the state and this and the other. Like, and the girl went and out of school and, and hung herself and committed suicide. <sighs> I hear this story, the same day my daughter had her menstruation. Mm. And you know, we were, I was back in Ethiopia, but you know, we lived in France and we were in Ethiopia in the cities. It was like chocolate, don't worry about it. You can choose all this and this. The contrast, the contrast. And most people in the West don't realize the contrast, you know, all especially all the, the fathers and mothers who have daughters, you know, and imagine, it could, and I thought, the way I felt is it could have been me. It could have been my daughter. I could have been in that village and my kid was in school. And the next thing I know is she hung herself. Like, I would just die. I would, I, I, I can't imagine that happening to my kid. And honestly, with all the love that I have and the joy, that would kill me. And so I felt, my God, this should never be. And her name is Jacqueline. And this story, apparently, I went to research it happened in Kenya, in the countryside. And I was like, okay, there will be no more Jacqueline hanging themselves. And if I, and I'm going to do my little part, but I'm just a single mother with two kids in Paris. And okay, I, I started this uh, humanitarian organization called Andalai, which means together. I love the word Andalai, it's an Ethiopian word. And the energy of the word is one 
and light is up, oneness that rises. I, I believe that's such a strong metaphor that the one and the light together is the energy of oneness rising. And that's what I believe that when we, you and I share, we're not two, we're just a oneness rising. And that, and I figured, okay, sometimes we feel so overwhelmed like this wars and this, what can I do? But I feel we can all do something. Mm-hmm. If I can get up and start a humanitarian organization, I'm here in immigrant in Paris, we can all, and the first thing is awareness. Just what I'm, my first ask is, just came to me in a meditation. It seems like crazy, like nothing, but it's huge. And you, all of us can do it. It's just to write a sentence or two on menstruation. And it could be a personal story, a general story, and also invite men because they've been excluded from this dialogue and they're not made to be, feel comfortable when it's, it, it's, they wouldn't exist if that didn't happen. It's like sacred natural cycle. And, with, and put their picture with it, you know, to own it, to just, you know, speak out about it and with their name and, and their country, if they want a title and if they want, want to have a website and, and send it to um, associationunderlie at gmail.com, which is the email that I have now because the website, Underlie, which wants to create awareness, I'm going to inaugurate it, launch it on the 28th of May. And again, this most people Yay. don't know, 28th of May, it's been proclaimed International Menstruation Hygiene Menstruation Awareness Day. I call it Menstruation Awareness. I find that much more correct. It should even be called Menstruation Dignity Day. And uh, this is since 2014. And so people who are working in this will try and make more noise, more awareness. And I'm going to be part of that. And I'm, I feel I want to call all men and women to be part of that. And not, but eventually I want to raise money and do huge stuff like any nonprofit. But this is just a simple thing where we can empower ourselves and empower the other. Because it's not easy to sit down and write two sentences about menstruation. A lot of people have a hard time with it. I found out because I've had a, a, almost 100 people from all over the world send me, but I would like to make it to 100. And if I can, even more for the launch, and then we'll continue it. I want to make it a conversation. I want to, to bring it out in the open because that's how taboos disappear. Taboos yes. disappear by breaking the silence and the shame. Yes. And this is not something one should be ashamed about. This is something one should be proud about. It should be with grace and dignity and sacred and respected. But there's all this limiting beliefs, not only the dramatic cases of girls like Jacqueline who are killed and who died and all the girls who are excluded, but even in the West, if we're really honest, even us, be it in America or in Paris, well, there's still some distance to be done on this topic. There's still some unconscious taboos in all of us there's still some fear and shame and like, mm-hmm. you know, a person wouldn't feel comfortable saying, oh, I have period comes, so I have to go, I have to go, I need my afternoon off. I don't know, maybe in America, but in France, they wouldn't. They would say like, um, I, 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 have, I have an ulcer or some other right. thing. Right, absolutely. As if it is something wrong when, when it's, it's natural and it needs to be put back in its own rightful place and be liberated from the limiting beliefs. And there's many limiting beliefs that break us, but this one is a very important one. And we're talking about, we talk about why women and men don't have equal salary. I say it all starts with this. It all starts with, at this point, you know, kids are kids and they're playing and then all of a sudden the girl will start menstruating and then she'll have to have hiding something and she needs to be ashamed about it and she has to hush, hush. And it's almost like conditioning to not own her body not respect it, not, not be proud of it, not see how she can learn to listen to a cycle and things like that. And if somebody is taught to auto 
flagellate themselves or to reduce themselves when their boob starts growing and, and then you have to hide it and it's, you just diminished, no? And then how can you, when you're an adult, feel that you have the right to ask the same salary? Like right. unconsciously, energetically, there's something off for that, you know? Right. Of course it should be and it's happening, but it starts with owning your body and all of it and, and, and being proud with it and remembering that the menstruation cycle is not, it's, it's not like you're peeing or, or going to, the toilet it's a sacred cycle that thanks to which we exist it's like you know you're not going to say a pregnant woman is dirty the one she's pregnant right. but they will not be pregnant woman if there was not the menstrual cycle you know it's all linked right. right so that's the awareness that has for thousands of years been blocked because of religion because of culture it's been sort of a patriarchal thing and it's time now with the feminine energy rising and with people going for awareness empowerment to not only wait for long, huge courses to empower ourselves, we can do it ourselves. We're just speaking out. Now I'm, I'm saying the sentence of Sue to send to uh, associationandelay at gmail.com, hopefully by the 20th of May, because we want to translate it in French and English and share it to places. People say, why don't we just do it on Instagram? Eventually after the 28th, we can do it too. But what I'm saying is not only for us in the West who all have Instagram, I want to be able to share it to people in villages Mm -hmm. We don't have Instagram, we don't have computers, we don't have phones, but there is a village center where people can go and watch, see the internet or watch mm -hmm. things. So to have it like for them, it'll be like a real exhibition, you know, they'll go and see a projection of, you know, it can be all day long of all these different people's faces and who are okay to speak about it and to say that it's natural. Some people have wonderful things about it. Some people say it's very difficult, we need your compassion. I'm not telling people what they should say. It doesn't matter whatever you say, at least it's being spoken out about mm -hmm. freedom, love, all these topics or injustice. There's, we hear this, there's many things speaking books and topics and, and uh, plasters, but this, this topic, have you seen it anywhere? Do people talk about it? Is mm -hmm. there anywhere that says love your menstruation? It's mm -hmm. blasphemy almost. And that's what we need to change. And we can do it together, both men and women. So yeah, that's uh, what I'm doing right now, but that's my contribution for a menstruation day. A lot of people are doing little films, other contribution, and but they actually have uh, sponsors and funds. I have nothing, and I'm not doing it. I have a lot. I have inner abundance, and we are we are the wealth. We are the, we are the investors, and we don't need money to make things happen. Mm -hmm. Our voices are powerful. Our voice is an investment. Our words, you know, and I, sh I, for example, to be quite honest, I'm, I met you in Clubhouse and there's a lot of great things about Clubhouse. I'm a bit surprised because each time I speak in Clubhouse, people like it and they, they will follow me and then um, and then they will just go and follow me on Instagram. There's nothing in Instagram. I mean, I put my picture yesterday, before <laughs> yesterday, and but I, I say my ask. My ask is just this. Please send your two sentences and your picture to support this cause and to for it to be spoken about. And... If you have time and you want to contribute and support the um, nonprofit, I would be happy, especially techie people or any way influencers who want to share it with others. Um, and eventually, if you know sponsors, because I want to eventually have biodegradable uh, factories that women can run in different places. So there's like a long-term thing, but I'm not about rushing anything about pressure. I think everything starts with the communication, our voice, this air that we breathe mm -hmm. out. It's power. It's like in the beginning, there was a verb. We can use the verb to make a difference. And all these drops of our sentences together makes this ocean that cannot yes. be unheard. Then, then the countries have to react. Then the 
that, that people have, we can make it more of a discussion and we can even have for the West, even discussions on Instagram or a continuous series of discussions. That's probably what I'm going to do with Andela. I have once a month, invite many experts and many people to talk about it from different angles. Uh, because that's how you make a topic free, uh, something free from shame and from taboos. Because yeah, I mean, it, it seems like nothing, but it's a lot. And, and of course, if I asked for a lot of money and I hired a lot of people to do this, or to have influences doing this, it would work, but it wouldn't be the same as people doing it from their care, from their share. Mm -hmm. And that's what I feel is the strength of our humanity is when we care to share. And that's what I want to empower the girls I'm helping, but I want us to empower ourselves with. It seems really idealistic, but I, I, I enjoy doing this. It's passionate and it makes us all powerful. And that's uh, my ask and my passion right now. Absolutely. I, I love all of this. Um, I'll put all the information that Maji talked about in the show notes uh, with links, and you can always reach out to me directly too. If um, I'm on Instagram, you can direct message, DM me um, on Facebook as well. Or uh, my email is Bethany at bethanyclem.com. All of this will be in the show notes, all the links that Maji talked about will be in the show notes as well. Um, just give me an idea actually, because I'm not a techie, but I will also maybe put a, a little note with the email on, even on Instagram yes. as well. It's already on my club bio, but I will do that. You're right. As I said, I'm a tree hugger, not a techie, but I'm learning. <laughs> yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, put, put make a post on your, on your Instagram page with that um, just to promote more awareness and then and if anybody wants to join actually i'll send it to you too i didn't think of that we're having our first um, um conference uh on zoom somebody's from the states is moderating uh and I, it's, it's gonna be me and there's an indian lady who's been working on this topic for many years and doing amazing stuff with art with to teach people and the, especially young girls and and there's another lady in chile so we have south america and we have asia and africa and the moderate is American and my and what I, it's, I call it is like a, let's empower each other the conversation and so we're going to each talk a few minutes and the idea is that everybody can share ask questions voice their thing it's a first trial and I'm doing it uh, because I'm the inner MBA I don't know if people know about the inner MBA it's just started it's a trailblazing program with the NYU where I'm a student and there's a thousand people there and they give me the confidence to try to do this because somebody offered to to do, to host the moderating for me so it's a first trial some and i will send you the the invite to the thing too and i mean it only takes 100 people for the first thing and we may we might be 10 it might be 100 but we're trying this out and the idea is to continue doing things like this and I'm all about collaboration and not in competition with anybody. If anybody wants to do that too, I'm happy to support them and, and help them bring people that I know. I, I believe the more it's voiced, the more we empower ourselves and others. Yes, absolutely. I love this. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much. Thank you for so much for your time, for sharing your story, for sharing this passion project um, and for honoring Jacqueline through sharing her story. I, I stand with you. I stand with you on this. So um, listeners, thank you so much for being here and spending your time with us today. I know you have a lot of options and places that you could be and the fact that you chose to listen to this podcast. 
um, means so much. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode and review the show notes. Be sure that you get Maji the two sentences and your photo to the email in the show notes before May 20th. Um, if you have any questions at all, don't hesitate to reach out to me or to her somehow. So we don't want you to um, be confused somehow and not do this. This is, this is an important movement. So until next time, take action, live big and stay dialed in. Hey, it's Bethany here. Thanks for listening. So just in case you did not get the Gmail address to send your two sentences and your photo to, it is association and elay. It's association, A-S-S-O-C-I-A-T-I-O-N-A-N-D-E-L-A-Y at gmail.com, association and elay, E-L-A-Y at gmail.com. I don't know about you, but uh, I was completely touched. And you, I know you couldn't see the video for this episode, but when she was talking about Jacqueline and sharing her story, I was sobbing. And the thing is, it wasn't the first time I heard it. She had told it inside of the clubhouse room. And I was overwhelmed with emotion then at the hopelessness that someone has to feel at age 11 is what she said, I think. Um, to take their own life, to feel like everything was over for them and there was no hope. And I just don't want that to happen to any other girls. And I don't want other girls to not be able to finish high school just because of something that is natural that happens in their bodies. This isn't right. It's not fair. And I know life is not fair. I get that. But this is something that we can work together and change. And so I urge you to please take a couple minutes and send your two sentences and your photo to Maji. It would mean everything to her and to me. So until next time, thank you so much for watching. I'm sorry you are not watching. Thank you so much for listening with us today. Take care and we'll see you soon.